every one of them unique. Their events are different. Their training is diverse. Their journey is anything but ordinary. And yet in the middle of all that uniqueness, there's one thing they have in common, one part of their journey that's consistent across all others. Every person who's ever played any sport at any time must at all times and in all ways overcome. And it's not only folks from the world of sports, businessmen and businesswomen, moms and grandparents, students who are finishing and only just beginning. All must learn to push through adversity and to experience their reward on the other side. Because the greatest rewards are always given to the ones who overcome. everyone welcome to football sunday 2017 today is that day we've been waiting for all year long in the next few minutes you'll hear powerful and inspirational stories from nfl players and their wives you'll also hear from players who are playing in today's super bowl today the last two teams will play each other but only one team will walk away with that lombardi trophy their name will forever be etched into that reward and it will never be taken away from them I've been to two Super Bowls and I know what it's like to be on the winning side and the losing side. I know what it's like when the final clock goes off and you've won and the confetti drops. And I know what it's like when the final clock goes and you've lost and your family and you are in tears. I know the joy and the pain of the Super Bowl. This will be an amazing day for all players who get a chance to play. But the greatest reward will go to the ones who overcome. We're glad you're with us. Welcome to Football Sunday 2017. Luckiest man alive. You know, I've I've been so blessed to have the experience that I've had here the net last nine years and to be appearing in my third Super Bowl. It's really hard to put into words. It validates why you do the things that you do, why you buy into the team mentality, why you support your brothers, why you do all those things when you get to go to a game like this, you get to be a part of a game like this, and hopefully to win a game like this. You get to be here and, and have an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the pinnacle of, of your profession is, um, I mean, words don't actually describe how excited I am. Once that, that final whistle blows in an AFC championship game, it rushes you right at that point. You start hugging all the guys. You're like, this is why we did all the things that we hated doing in the offseason, the workouts. It's all because we want to play in this last game. 
kid and like everyone throws the ball and it plays catch and you pretend like I'm getting Super Bowl someday. I just feel blessed. I mean, you look at where you come from and where you are now. And like the path that God's taking you from is one of those things where I just worked my tail off and then just to see where I am now and that opportunity and to be on the biggest stage in the world. Getting to this game isn't the goal. You know, it's, it's winning this game. And so that's, that's what all of our focus and our attention has shifted to, you know, we celebrated the championship game, you know, Sunday night, and then Monday morning, we are right back into our process, you know, that we go through each and every week. You know, we're just really excited. Individually, it's, you know, it's kind of like a dream come true to get here and now finishing finishing the story and winning, winning it this season would definitely put the cap on it. I got to know Anquan Bolden at the 2015 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I was impressed not only by his humility, but by his genuine concern for others. I'm excited for you to meet Anquan. This is his story. It's always been a dream of mine to play in the NFL. It's probably the greatest platform that a person can have. When I first got in the NFL, I was selfish. I wanted things my way, when I wanted it, how I wanted it. It was just a, a time where I felt like I had accomplished what I set out to do. Everything that I had went through as a kid, all the hardships, all of that, you know, I felt like at that time it had paid off. You know, I was in the NFL, achieved my dream, scoring touchdowns. So yeah, I was on top of the world. I think when, when I had my son, for me, it brought about a new perspective on life. I realized that everything I did affected him in one way or another, whether it be good or bad. There was things that I went through in my life that I never wanted my son to go through. And I just realized, man, there was things that I was doing that I just couldn't do no more. I wasn't living for just Anquan anymore. So I became a little more serious about my relationship with my now wife. She saw in me what at times I couldn't see. And she used to always tell me, I see the man that God wants you to be. I see the man that you can be. And whenever you have somebody challenging you like that, you have to take a look at yourself. be able to worship in every aspect of my life. I want to be obedient in every part of my life, in my marriage, in my job, in my finances. I mean, there's times where God is asking us to step outside of our comfort zone and go to Africa. There's other times where God is asking me to step out of my comfort zone and do an interview or speak before a crowd about my life. I've always wanted to help those that are in my community because it's not a lot of opportunity there. Initially, I never wanted to start a foundation. I wanted to do everything anonymously. And then I had this older gentleman come to me and he was like, look, you doing things behind closed doors, that's fine. But if you want people to partner with you, it would be good for you to start a foundation. We started with my hometown, Pahokee, Florida. 
small town right on Lake Okeechobee. You know, so we have different programs. Education is a huge component of ours with the foundation. So we have a summer enrichment program, which is credit recovery for kids that are falling behind in school. We get those kids back on track to graduate. The more that I fell in love with Jesus, the more I looked for opportunities to serve people. Like what I do is not for an award. I don't help people to be recognized. Like if I can do it all behind closed doors, I would. But we do do it for a greater reward. Like the Bible tells us to store up our treasures in heaven. So how do we do that? By doing the will of God here on earth. Until you really see God, you won't really know him. And sometimes the only time that people will get to know who God is, is by watching our lives. Anquan has devoted his life to helping other people overcome the obstacles that stand in their way. And his story can be our story. We all have people in our lives that need us to help them overcome. They may see a wall that stops them, but we can help them see a bridge that connects them to a future with promise and hope. So when you look at the people in your life, who needs you to help them overcome something that's too big for them to handle on their own? When you look at the beginning of the season, we didn't have Gronk, we didn't have Tom, we had a, a, a new quarterback in there, and we really didn't make any excuses. We beat three good teams. That was a challenge for us, but I think it was good for our football team because we realized that uh, we had a really strong football team uh, without Tom being there, and we knew that when he came back, we'd be great. And I think that was a really unifying time for us. It was a very exciting time for us. It was so fun because it wasn't just Tom's team, it was the Patriots. And then we got a supercharged boost when, when Tom came back. And uh, you know, we've just been playing for one another all year long. Guys just saying, none of that stuff matters. You know, let's just come go to work, work hard, and let's just see what we get. That's really what we became this year, is just a blue collar team. That whole group, that whole team, the coaches believe in one another. This has been an especially, especially unique year in relationship to the amount of high character people that we've had in our building. And that goes from cafeteria assistants to assistant strength coaches to coaches that are amazing and they're growing like crazy to all the way up to the top to ownership and our head coach, just phenomenal people who have really had an extra attitude of humility this year. Now it's just that, that last game, one more. I don't think the expectations on the outside were high, but we had high expectations for ourselves. This offseason, I think, was really huge for, for us as a, as a team, as an organization. Uh, Coach Quinn brought in some Navy SEALs. Kind of wanted to instill in us the brotherhood that the military has. They were really able to share with us their experiences, and it's amazing the similarities that, you know, the concept of team and what that means to, you know, all of us. Don't let the guy next to you down and do your job so the guy next to you can do his. Regular season, when you see the other team score, it's gonna be one guy alone, smiling, posing for the camera, doing his little thing. 
Wait until we score. Go back and look at the film, and you'll see guys huddled around, guys celebrating. You'll see running backs handing the ball to offensive linemen to spike it. From Mr. Blank to the general manager to Thomas Dimitri, everybody bought in to this brotherhood. Everybody bought in to, oh, it's just not about me. And iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And accountability piece, you know, all those things that we know are possible. They became possible for the team this year, and that's how they ended up where they are right now. Um, having to deal with an injury this year and having to miss some time um, is very tough. Obviously, there's the physical pain that you deal with, but there's an emotional aspect to that. You know, it's easy to sit back and say, yeah, I'm a Christian when everything's going well for you and, and to give everybody else advice. But when you're having to actually put your faith into action and, and trust that, hey, the Lord's got you no matter if you get back on the field or not, um, you know, that was something that, that I was really challenged by this season. And thankfully, he brought me back to the football field, but I think it did a lot for my personal growth as a, as a Christian. A good friend of mine and a former teammate from Auburn uh, a few years ago passed away in a car accident. And he was, you know, one of my dearest friends. And while he may have been younger than me, you know, he was a role model to me. His name was Philip Lutzenkirchen. You could talk to him about anything. And, uh, you know, when he when he passed away, that was that was a tough thing for me to go through. I mean, I had lost family members before, and but something was different, you know, being a little younger and losing somebody that, you know, is around your age, that was something that was, it, you know, it was really hard for me to get through. We all want to be comfortable. We think God's going to be a comfortable God. We think that it's going to make us, make life easier. And that's so far from the truth. He was diagnosed with uh, cancerous tumors in his kidneys. And it's a, a rare condition, it's a bilateral Wilms tumor. It's probably 25 cases a year. And we started off with 19 weeks of chemo, and then they said, you know, we're gonna go a full year. So he's a full year of chemo. The tumors are still there, but the tumors have shrink, uh, shrunken dramatically, which is awesome. And so what right now we're doing is surveillance and kind of God's holding us in this holding pattern to not tell you it's over, to not tell you it's not over. So we just have to trust in him through all that. In this life, we all experience physical and emotional pain. Just this year, I lost a loved one, like many of you have before. And I can tell you that pain is one of the hardest things to overcome. DeBricka Shaw and Kirsten Ferguson have experienced deep pain. And it's something that has not gone away quickly. This is their story. A friend of mine was his publicist at the time. Um, she wanted to uh, all go out one night. So I said, sure, let's go. You know, I saw Kirsten. Uh, I knew as soon as I saw her, I was like, OK, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to you know, try to get at her a little bit because, you know, she was nice. It was just easy and fun. Kind of all the things you dream about as a little girl, you know, you meet your husband, the love of your life, and you move into a beautiful home, and then you have children, and you kind of live happily ever after, and that was kind of my mindset. I knew that I wanted children one day, but that one day wasn't that day. We got pregnant, and 
it was like, this is what was supposed to happen, you know? We went in and we saw the ultrasound and I'm just chit-chatting with the girls that are doing the ultrasound and then all of a sudden it, it went quiet. And you know, my doctor told me, you know, by this time you should definitely see a heartbeat. And But there wasn't even, there wasn't even a baby. It was, it was, there was nothing. The intense pain just starts, and it's full-on labor, basically. So I'm screaming, Brick is running up and down the stairs trying to get me, like, hot pads for my stomach, and the baby passed while he was downstairs, and I just remember screaming his name, and he comes running in, and it looks like a murder scene in our bathroom. Like, she's very, very weak at this time, and I'm like, well, I have to be strong because we're supposed to lean on one another. Brick lifts me up and he says, don't you dare look in that toilet, and he flushes it. He's like, that's not where our baby is. God had shown up in my life before, and so I knew that he was real, and I just knew that this was one of our trials. I was just focused on having kids, and I was like, Brick, you need to get on board. And he was like, I'm not ready. So there was just so much attention on having a child. There was so much attention on this vision that I was not seeing the same way. I think as we talked to the counselors and kind of laid out how we were feeling, it kind of quieted down a little bit because we finally felt heard. It was a rough time, but I feel like that six months, we needed that six months. At that moment, we finally were able to plan something together. And we got pregnant the first time. We were planning our trip to Israel, um, so my doctor was like, before you go, you know, I think everything should be good. She just wanted to check on the baby and make sure everything was fine before we left. So we went in at um, eight and a half weeks. The lady, you know, put the gel on, and I look at the screen, and there was no heartbeat. The baby was just lying at the bottom of the sack. And uh, that was really hard. That was really hard, and I remember saying, like, There's no, keep checking, like, make sure. And, but there was nothing, the baby was just, I was angry with God. I was mad. I, I just, I couldn't understand it. It was so hard to just live everyday life. The hardest day for me was we went to church on Mother's Day. The pastor asks all the moms to stand up and she gives every woman a rose that stands up. And that feeling of having to stay seated was so heartbreaking. Like I said, church started to be a really hard place for me. So it was one of those days and um, I was tearing up and, and a, a random woman came up to me. I had no idea who she was. She didn't know who I was. I was trying to kind of just stand off to the side a little bit. Um, and she said to me, God has not forgotten you. And I was blown away. Blown away. 
And I just broke down. And she's like, oh, I didn't mean to make you upset. I was like, you have no idea what those words just meant to me. And I remember just having hope in that and just saying, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I know you're still there. And I got pregnant. I felt more prepared. I felt like, okay, I'm ready for this step. It was like an exciting time, but it was also very scary because I'm like, this is the third time. We've been here before. I don't even know if I have words that can describe the joy I felt. I didn't know how to feel, you know, I'm like, there was just so much, uh, I was overwhelmed. It was just like, of course it's you, of course I was waiting for you. God has not forgotten you. In our pain and our struggles. In the uncontrollable events of our lives, God has not forgotten us because he has written our names in the palm of his hands. And ultimately, that's why we can overcome. It's not because we try harder. It's not because we get stronger. It's because we acknowledge that the person who overcame sin and death is the one that gives us the power to overcome. In Revelation 1:18, Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Don't miss this. Jesus holds the keys to death. And it's that power, it's that power over death that gives us the ability to overcome. Death, it's the one thing that we all fear. Even the strongest, the richest, and the smartest people in the world have to face it. They can't fight it, they can't escape it. And Jesus says that he holds the keys to death. Benjamin and Kirsten talked about these verses from 1 John when they were talking about overcoming. They go like this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. For everyone born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that has come into the world. Even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Think about what it means to overcome the world. Some people say that, that the world is a phenomenal place. It's a great place. There's a lot of good things in the world. And I, I agree. But I also know that there's a lot of bad in the world. There's sin, temptation, evil. I know that 
According to Forbes magazine in 2011, 133 girls under 18 were arrested at the Super Bowl game in Dallas. And that hundreds, if not thousands, of women and girls will be bought and used today. I know that kids are dying all over the world because, of, because evil governments are, or terrorist groups are handing them guns to kill others. I know that every day there's abuse that happen in people's homes. Every day there's addictions that people can't fight, that they can't conquer, that they can't win. That depression and disease ravage our world. There are not just broken dreams and broken homes, but broken lives. The world is broken. And the Bible says that it's because we don't obey God because we're separated from him. And that sounds very judgmental, but the Bible also says that Jesus came into this world to make all those things right. Jesus says, as he's explaining this to his, his disciples, that he has got to make all these things right through his own death, and they're so confused. He says, peace I give you. My peace I leave with you, John 14. I do not give as the world gives. See, the world says that if you just have enough strength, if you have enough power, if you have enough talent, if you have enough money, if you have enough popularity or enough possessions, then you'll have peace. And then you'll get happy, you'll get full of life from that, you'll get good. Except we experience stress and trouble and hardship from those things. So much so that the next series of teachings that we're going to do are going to talk about this idea of what it means to live happy. And I hope you come back for that. But Jesus says that no, peace is actually the way that you have this goodness and fullness and wholeness in your life. My peace, he called it shalom. I think I would call it restoration. That he is making things right in my relationship with him in my relationship with others, and even in my own heart. That that's what it means to have peace. He concludes this part of his teaching to his disciples and says, I tell you in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. Because in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world And I I believe that Jesus overcame the world. I believe that he overcame sin and Satan and death. And I believe he is the overcomer. But maybe you're like me. It's not that you have a problem believing that Jesus is the overcomer. You just don't see how you can be the overcomer. So if we go back to where we started, 1 John 1 says, this is the victory, or 1 John 5, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even, I expect that to say, Jesus. Jesus is the one that overcomes. Who is it that overcomes the world? Jesus, but that's not what it says. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. That's what it says, our faith Who is the one that overcomes? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what does it mean to have faith? To have faith in something is to trust in something or someone. So for a person to say, 
I have faith in Jesus. It's not to say, I believe these set of beliefs. Like, I believe that the Patriots are the best team in the NFL. And it's not to say, uh, I believe in performance. Like, I believe the Falcons will perform better than the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It's actually saying to say, I have trust in Jesus, is to say, I have put my faith or my trust in a person, and I have this trustworthiness established in a personal relationship. Not a set of beliefs, not performance, but a relationship. And when you see that, see, that's, that's what this writer John is saying, that's what these professional athletes are saying, that no matter how bad or how good your life is, no matter where you find yourself, healthy or sick, peaceful or troubled, or the video said, full of life or miscarrying life, that Jesus is the person, the person that we can trust, that we can put our faith in, that he's more than just a historical figure. You know, for me, Jesus started out as a stained glass picture on the side of my church growing up. His skin was kind of smooth, his beard was smooth, his clothes were clean, and his skin was probably too white, but he was standing next to this door like this, just ever so gentle, knocking. And he wasn't looking directly in the door because the door didn't have a window. It was like he was looking past the door and listening with his ears and listening with his mind and listening with his words to see if anyone would knock, to see if anyone was home. That's the picture that Jesus started as for me. And I continued to seek approval in others. I continued to achieve in my life. I continued to find peace and satisfaction and success and all of these other things. And I completely missed that Jesus was knocking at this door with no handle on the outside. That there was no way he was going to break in. That he ultimately loved me, and I believe he ultimately loves every one of us here. He loves the whole world, but he's not going to storm the door down. And I had to go after all of these other things before I ended up coming back to my church in college and seeing that picture and seeing the one thing I missed that there was a hole, a scar, right here. That not only was there no handle on the door, but that there were these scars on his hands. That Jesus wasn't just that picture on a wall. Jesus was a person who gave his whole life, who ultimately sacrificed himself so that we could be back in relationship with God, that peace could come through him. And it was then that Jesus became not just my Lord, not just my Savior, not just my best friend, but every one of those things. And when I realized that, I received the peace that that can never be taken away. Life's not easy. It's never taken away. That's what this video is saying. That's what Jesus wants to see in your life and what I think he wants to see in mine. And so to put your faith in Jesus, like me, you have to stop putting your faith in your ways or your efforts or maybe even your religious activities or your job or your family or your power or your status. And when you do, stop putting it there. You can put it in him. I don't know if you're experiencing peace today 
or if you're experiencing trouble today. But I know that God has not forgotten you. And that to have this overcoming attitude, this overcoming presence, this overcoming peace in your life is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And it goes something like this that I invite you to pray with me if you've never prayed it before. Lord Jesus, I thank you for bringing me here today, for letting me hear these stories and hear your word. Lord, I thank you that you let anyone who's willing come to you. There's no dress code. There's no minimum standard of education. There's no amount of money that we have to give. You just let anyone come. And I'm one of those anyone's, God. I am separated from you, and I'm a sinner. And I don't deserve your good. I deserve punishment for what I've done. But because of what you've done, Jesus, I can be restored with God. And I want to be restored with God. I want to have this life and peace to the fullness that you describe. And so I accept your death and your resurrection. God, I I trust you and who you are and what you've done. I accept Jesus' faithful life for my faithless life. And I receive your forgiveness, your salvation. God, your Holy Spirit to lead me and to love me. Amen. If you have prayed a prayer like that for the first time, then I want you to know that there's a party in heaven the scriptures say, the stories in, in the Bible say that, that angels party when there's one person who turns from where they were going their own way to coming after God. And there is a party that's bigger than the Super Bowl that's happening in heaven right now. And if you've already said yes to that, then I want you to go back to that first story when Anquan said that real love is shown by doing God's will. The more we love God, the more we will find delight in doing things that please him. And so his challenge was to ask God to be a bridge. If you've said yes to Jesus, then I just want you to consider as we close today what it means for you to be a bridge in your life, to connect with someone else and help them connect with God to experience the peace that you and I have. Because someone else might only see a wall in their life. They're never going to step foot in here. But if you can be that bridge, then you can be an overcomer who leads them around their wall to the one who overcame the world.